They showboat is noticed wherever they go. They dazzle you with their charm and professionalism. Welcome aboard the Silver Dollar Showboats. Okay, so that voice that you just heard is that of Scott Stevenson, better known as the Silver Dollar Man, but in my youth, I was known as Showboat. So today on Silver Dollar Showboats, we have in the studio a man that needs no introduction, but I have to at least say his name, Nathan Osmond, <laughs> the country king. Thank you so much, man. So good to be here with you, Scott, Mr. Showboat. Yeah. I love it. Well, you know, the, the thing is, is that I've asked Nathan to be here with us today because Nathan is a true showboat. Oh. Now, people, people sometimes, they, they wonder, uh, what's a showboat? A showboat to me is a person that stands out that when they, when they enter a room, People automatically just take notice of them. They just dazzle. Uh, uh, well, my mother always said I had a face for radio, so maybe that's what the reaction is. <laughs> well, you know, the other thing that I, the, the other reason why I want to bring Nathan on here today was not just because of his last name, Osman, which I'm sure everybody is familiar with all over the world. But this is the thing, is that sometimes when you meet people who have a famous name, came, come from a famous background, they can be jerks. Oh, yeah. They can be. Yep. And uh, and I've met a few in my day. And, of course, you know, I'm mm. famous myself. So, there you go. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You are. You are a rock star. I'm honored to not, be here with not you. Quite, <laughs> not quite to your level, you know, but I'm, but I'm getting there. But the thing is, is that the thing I love about you, Nathan, is that, honestly, you're a good man. Thank you. Now, I want to know. Your uh, why you're a good man? What what is it oh, in your background? Just get, you just know, tell us a little bit of your life story. Uh, there's a great quote by Abraham Lincoln who says, "All that I am and all I hope to be, I owe to my angel mother." And I just have to honor my mother right now. Hopefully she's listening. Um, and my father. I come from uh, the Osmond family, as you mentioned. And the number one question I'm asked as an Osmond is, who's your daddy? Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my daddy is Alan Osmond. He's the oldest of the performing brothers of the Osmonds. See, he was the oldest that could hear. Their two older brothers, Verl and Tom, they are incredible guys. And they helped to run the fan clubs. They learned how to play saxophone, tap dance. They are part of some of the family shows. But my father was really the leader of the group. And... And so he led his brothers down a great path of success in the music industry. Everybody knows about the Osmonds. They sold over 100 million records, you know. And uh, But my father was really there through thick and thin from the beginning, from the Andy Williams shows and whatnot. So I used to watch those those specials, and I'd watch my father. And I remember as watching him as a kid. Yes. And the other, I was watching the reruns. You <laughs> you <know? were. laughs> yes. But, but we, when they shut off the VCR, you know, we'd be singing the same songs in two-part harmony my parents looked at each other and go who taught him that we just had this natural ear to pick up harmonies and my father got it really excited because he's the one that taught all his brothers the harmonies so we started singing barbershop harmony just like they did as kids and my father taught us all the parts we started singing at church and other things anyways uh long story short uh we decided we were going to do this little talent showcase show that eugene jelesnik had on ksl every sunday afternoon after church and they Here gave in us Salt Lake in right? Salt Lake City, Utah. They gave us the whole program. Well, People Magazine found out there's this new generation of Osmonds that was going to 
start singing together. So they wrote this little blurb in People magazine, which then the late Bob Hope read, and he was like, I want those boys on my show. And so, <laughs> guess what? I can see Bob Hope saying We that. got a call from Bob, who had had my dad on his show as a kid, and he wanted to reenact some of the things that they did as the Osmonds. So the second generation, the Osmond boys, we went out there, and I got to hang out with Bob around his pool at his house, and <laughs> it was just so neat as a little kid, you know, and it was interesting because that led to us getting signed on Curb Records. I had some hits here in the United States with my brothers, our boy band, the Osmond Boys. We got signed on Epic Sony over in Europe. I used to tour with New Kids on the Block and Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch, Color Me Bad, <laughs> Salt and Pepper, Naughty by Nature, and just all the 90s bands because we had three songs in the top 40 over there. I didn't know that. I played in, at, at Wembley. I played in the Tokyo Dome, Osaka Stadium, and just had so much fun you know, doing the boy band thing. But uh, boy bands grow up. And yeah, uh, my father was hit when I was 10 years old with something called MS, multiple sclerosis. Oh, yes. He says it stands for many sons because there's eight boys in our family. <laughs> but uh, he, uh, you know, he got to the point where I he couldn't perform. I didn't know that perform. he got hit with MS. Oh, yeah. How old was he when he that was, happened? Uh, this is in 87. Wow. 87. I was 10 years old. And so uh, he says, I'm not going to die from this. But, guys, I may end up in a wheelchair. As long as I got yours and your mother's love, you know, I can get through anything. I might have MS, but MS does not have me was his slogan. And we've adopted that throughout the years. And he's still going strong, which is amazing. So he's 72 now and just going strong. But the thing is, is that I remember a time when we were promoting this Christmas special that I was going to be on with my Aunt Marie and the Osmond brothers. We went on this little show called Good Morning America. I was <laughs> nine years old. And Who's I used, ever heard of that? I used to be shy, Scott. Like <laughs> no, I was really? not always the guy you see in front of you. <laughs> yeah. But I get in there with all these brothers of mine and my grandparents and my parents are there. But Joan London singled me out during that interview. And she goes, so Nathan, do you enjoy this entertainment business? And guess who freezes on national <laughs> television? I did. I said two words. I go, uh, yes, ma'am. <laughs> and that's it. That's all I said on Good Morning that's America. Hard to leave coming but from she's you. like, Oh, I love that, ma'am. You know, she was impressed with our way we were raised, you know, to say yes, sir, yes, ma'am. My father said I wasn't gonna say anything else. So he saved the interview. And after the show, Scott, I walked out of that studio with my my father by my side. He puts his arm around me and he says, Nathan. It's a talk show. Talk. People want to hear what you have to say. And on one hand, I was humiliated. I felt I let my family down on national television as a nine-year-old. But then at the same time, my dad, who was like sold 100 million records, he was a black belt trained by Chuck Norris. He won three out of the four trophies in the Army in the camp. He could do anything. He looks at me with the eyes of Gerda, who says... Treat a man the way that he is, and he only becomes worse. But treat a man the way that he could be, and then he becomes what he should be. And he says, people want to hear what you have to say. And I believed him. And it took work. And well, he coached me, and he worked with me, and helped me get out of my shell. He says, Nathan, we're going on Regis and Kathy Lee next. I don't want to go on this show with you guys. They're not here to interview me. They're here to interview you. So I want two answers coming out of your mouth. I like it because, <laughs> you see, and we yeah. had these mock interview practices and rehearsals. we jump up and down and shake our hands and say, meow, wake our faces <laughs> yeah. up. Because it's television. Do something visual. Make Regis laugh. You know, run out in the audience. Do, do something that people are going to want to watch again, right? So that's the kind of training I got growing up. Well, now I know. Now you know where it now comes I from. Now I know why you're not a jerk. Thank, thank you. Because... It seems like you had a grounded life. Oh, I was Your grounded a lot. Your parents were grounded. <laughs> <You're, yeah. laughs> 
Well, that's no. not the way no, I wait mean a minute. It. No, I, I just <laughs> I, I was never allowed, allowed to 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 treat anybody that way. My father yeah. even said that. He says I might have MS, but I got a fast foot. And if you start thinking you're somebody special and more than somebody else, then I will kick you out of this business. And he meant it. And so we just we just treated people. I, I grew up in a seventeen thousand square foot home, and I didn't even know I was rich. <laughs> yeah. You know. Because I wasn't allowed to act like that. <laughs> what a great thing, though. I mean, honestly. Yeah. I mean, that is just such a wonderful thing. I don't think there's anything more um, humbling than to meet someone of substance and of wealth who treats you just like you're part oh, of their family. Well, they learned that, too, in the business, my father. He says, the people that you, you meet on the way up are the same people you meet on the way back down. And you will meet again. And so whoever it is, even if it's a little guy holding the door open for you, you be kind to him. And you never know who you're influencing. You know, and, and people do talk. And if you want longevity in this business, you better you better treat people right. And not just this business, any business. You know, I've yeah. heard more stories of CEOs. Heck, we had my grandmother started the Children's Miracle Network, you know, in our Hey, tell me about your in grand- our home. Tell me about your grandmother. I mean, she started this and yes. then tell me uh Tell our listeners here just the story of your your two oldest uncles, of course, were, yeah. were born deaf. They're born and, deaf. And, and uh, how did your and grandma so react to that? she wanted to – well, she she was told not to have any more kids. And she said, your children will be raised in an institution and basically kind of basically turn them over to the state right now. Yeah, that's back in the and day. And she's like, know. I am an educator. My father was an educator. I will educate my own children in my own home. We will have a schoolroom in every one of my homes. And she did. She was an English major. And so she taught and insisted that my uncles learned to speak and they did and the, and, and she was also a saxophone player she played with some of the biggest bands of the 1940s is that right and yeah so but then she realized you know through their jaws and everything that are connected to their ears they could feel the vibrations and they could hear the, the sound and the tone of the saxophone. So she taught them what she knew. And then, of course, they're the ones that taught the Osmond brothers, their younger brothers and sister. And that's kind of how they got started. They taught them how to tap dance. And, and Tom Osmond, he was one of the best tap dancers in the whole family. But they, you know, they couldn't hear, so they didn't participate. But my grandmother wanted to make a difference. So she started a foundation called Osmond Foundation for Children of the World. And the whole mission was to help deaf children. Well, these two other gentlemen came in, sat down with my grandmother at our kitchen table with tuna fish sandwiches, Joe Lake and Mick Shannon. And they originally were going to do something with the March of Dimes, but then they passed on this thing. Well, the Osmonds had a television studio, and they also had this foundation, Osmond Foundation for Children of the World. And so we decided in talking with them in our home and around our kitchen table that we're going to change the purpose of this 501c3, and we're going to help everybody. And that's where it was changed from Osmond Foundation for Children of the World to Children's Miracle Network. My grandmother said it's not about Osmonds. It never has been. It's always been about the kids. So let's make it about them. And so that's my grandmother's legacy. They raised over $7 billion wow. for children's hospitals around the world. And that's her legacy. You know, She came from a little cabin in Idaho, a little town called Samaria. She was a great Samaritan. And before she passed away, great you know. Samaritan. I like that. <laughs> she, uh, she said something to my father. we share those roots, those that's Idahoan right. roots. I, I'm licensed up there for mortgages. Yeah. So I'm helping a lot of Idahoans um, become homeowners. But she, I just went to her cabin where she was born, just this two-bedroom cabin, just very humble. But she said something to my father. She couldn't speak because she had a tracheotomy. So he, she said to him, you just wave this like piece of paper and pen, and she wrote. And we have a, I have this uh, letter, and it says, Alan, there is no limit to the good we can do if we don't care who gets the credit. Wow. 
What a great what a great statement. She, and totally, she lived that statement. Well, see, this is what I mean, is that, you know, when you look at uh, great people, uh, showboats, I, I'm just using that as a term. But when you look at people like that, it's people who are looking out, Yeah, that look out to help the world. What can we do? What a wonderful story. Oh, she, she is a, an angel. And just I learned so much from her and from Grandpa. Grandpa was more the showman. He was more the PR Hey, yeah. you know, Kai, he started Osmond Real Estate back in 1979. And, you know, he he, he was a hardworking man. There's a great movie. If you ever want to watch it on YouTube, uh, it's called Side by Side. That was one of the songs I, I used to sing. That. Yes. And my Aunt Marie plays my grandmother in the in the film. But uh, it really shows you the early years of here in Utah yeah. and what they went through to become famous and become showboats themselves. They, they're just a little family from Ogden, Utah, you know, that did start it off kind of like we did, just learning barbershop harmony and singing at church. And originally, you know, they did this one <laughs> one show in the park, and some someone th- flipped a little penny or something up on the stage. And, <laughs> and Uncle Jay said, oh! You know, he kept singing, but he ran and grabbed it. And then they thought that was so funny, so they flipped a dime and a quarter. And holy cow, this, he just, he just, and they just were laughing. They thought it was hilarious. They didn't know they could make money doing this. Yeah. They just did it because they loved it. Anyways, they said, if we keep doing this, we could raise enough money for hearing aids for, for Verl and Tom. That's why they did it, you know, is to help yeah. their brothers. And, and maybe they can go serve missions. They became the first two deaf missionaries for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Isn't really? that cool? Even that served cool. as companions for a short time. Is that right? In Canada, yeah. But, you know, the thing is, is that's where it all started for them. And they did it for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did it because they loved it. And they worked hard. My grandpa, he was an Army sergeant in World War II. And he raised his sons like military. They woke up to revelry. And they had the, <laughs> they had the bunk beds. They had the open closets, white glove test. I mean, it was serious with Grandpa. That's why I still say yes, sir, yes, ma'am. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you well, know, you can just you don't have to call me. It, it was great. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're you're Mister Showboat. But uh, it was so neat to be raised with the you know those those same manners and and everything else. My father actually ended up leaving the the group during a scary time in our nation's history to go serve in the army, and he was trained for Vietnam, and he was nervous. You know, like he just felt them prompted he was supposed to go there. But uh, he has a lot of great, great stories. He ended up winning three out of the four trophies in the whole camp. Is that right? He was raised military. I... He was tough, and he got best marksman, everything. But that's where I get my patriotism too. Is from my well, father. Well, I know you, you, you're, you're. Uh... You work a lot with the veterans. Oh yes, I'm an honorary command sergeant major. They even put, let me come in the <laughs> in the Pentagon. I couldn't believe that. That was that should frighten hey, you. Know you. The, 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 the flower boxes around the yes. Pentagon. I oh. built those. You did well. Framed them. I didn't know that. <laughs> well, well, I was a teenager. You know, that's I'm, huge. I'm from DC. You yeah, know. you did. So uh, I, I love that. Oh, people. By the way, it's interesting because the Pentagon is awesome. They they were telling me, you know, the belly button of the Pentagon right there is. Uh, they call the Russians call that. At ground zero they think, oh, so, they think yeah. oh that's got to be like the most it's the belly button of the of the whole building that's yeah. got to be top secret he it was a bakery yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's below it may be very top secret i didn't get to go to that part but anyways it was just so neat to get to go in there i love our troops um i help a lot with you know the, the va programs here as a mortgage loan officer but uh yeah I, I just love uh, our country, and I'm passionate about teaching my children history. 
uh, I, I, I never really had great, you know, history now, how many experiences. Kids do you have? Uh, I have four boys. Four boys. Yeah. I, three you know, teenagers. I have four boys too. What? We got a lot of And common. a girl, but I do have one girl. Well, she was the Our last girl's one. a little furrier. Her name's Blizzard. Oh. <laughs> All and right. they called it puppy love. <laughs> <laughs> We're having fun. We're gonna have to sing a duo. Oh, I know. And you're wearing purple. <laughs> I am. That's Donnie's favorite. But I do. It's well, so why fun. do you think it's my favorite color? Well, we was, I was raised in the '70s, same time Donnie was. Right. Purple was the deal, man. You know the so funny I'm thing is, today. is, he was assigned that color. <laughs> He See, was. my mother has eight boys in our family. Yeah. We were all signed colors just to color coordinate things easier, you know, as kids. Nathan, you get the red one. You're born on Valentine's Day. You know, Doug, you're yellow. Michael, you're blue. We just had all these different. And that's how it was in my father's family. Yeah. In fact, the funny thing is, is that the same guy that made, like, the costumes for the Osmonds and all the different colors yeah. ended up creating the Ninja Turtle costumes. No way. And you look at the different yeah. color coordinations. Yeah. It's, isn't that interesting? Funny. That there's a tie in there. But yeah. uh, the, the same guy that that made Elvis's jumpsuits made my dad's jumpsuits. <laughs> and he used to come watch my father. <laughs> the jumpsuit. I love those jumpsuits. Oh, they used to have it all the way down, show yeah, that hairy down to chest. your belly button, man. And they were, that's total 70s. But they would perform oh, at gosh. Caesar's Palace, and they perform at the Hilton, which was known as Elvis's stage, right? Yeah. And uh, he would come in. As the lights would go down, he'd sneak in. He'd be watching from the lighting booth. And they would say, you guys better do a good job. The king... The king's, the king's watching here, tonight, right? right? He was so nice. He sent, he sent back and staged a bouquet of flowers in the shape of a guitar, you know, and uh, he noticed something one time. The Osmonds were at Caesar's Palace, and they didn't have much time in between shows to go and out sign autographs or do anything, but they still wanted to meet the fans. So they made a big line of Osmond fans to come backstage as they're eating pizza and trying to get ready for the second show, sign and taking pictures and made time for those fans. And he took note of that, and he said to them, he says, you guys are doing it right. He says, if I could go back and I could do it all over again, I'd sign every autograph, I'd shake every hand, don't ever stop doing that. And we, we've, we've tried to live up to that. So uh, it's, what, what great advice. Yeah, he he loved people. He loved his mom, you know. Mm-hmm. She reminded him, my grandmother reminded him of his mom who had passed away. I think, so one yeah. time he called up, and my father answers the phone, and he goes, uh, is Olive there? He goes, uh, yes. May I ask who's calling? Uh, yes, there's Elvis Presley. <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Mother, uh, Elvis is on the phone. Tell him to wait. I'll be right there. <laughs> she kept the king of rock and roll waiting, and she got on there. She was a theologian. She loved religion and loved sharing what she knew, and so was he. He read so many books on theology, so the two of them just hit it off and just shared so much about our faith that he was fascinated by it. And he wanted to continue the, the conversation after after about an hour or two. You know, they said, you know, it's getting real late, Olive says, I hate to cut this off. He says, let's do this. Why don't you come to my house? We'll have a barbecue in California at my house there. And we'll continue this conversation. Elvis, we would love that. Well, because of their crazy lifestyles, they never got to actually do that. Do that but, yeah. but what a neat bonding moment they had there. You know, and we just—they're just people. At the end of the yeah. day, he was a—he was a great charitable person. Took good care of his band and his mom. Whenever anyone got sick, you know, he'd write Elvis one if it was him that was sick. Elvis two was for his mom. Elvis three meant his band members. And when you die of supposable j- drug overdose, yeah. and you see all these uh, pharmaceutical receipts, you think, boy, he had a bigger problem than he really did. Uh, it was actually is a stomach problem that yeah. ended up taking him out. Uh, but. Um, 
you know, meeting people like that, and we talked about the Beatles earlier yeah, as we were visiting. Sure. You know, it's just so neat to meet people that are, you know, they're showboats themselves and have made a name for themselves. And but when you find out they're good, decent human beings, well, that's what's uh, that's what's so nice to hear. You like them even more. Yeah. You I do. I got to hang out with Garth Brooks and Trisha Yearwood when they were here. Oh, you did? Yeah, for yeah. like 45 minutes or so. Then I was like, yeah, don't you have like two shows tonight? This is the time before they came here, just last time. But uh, I got to sit there and to get to meet the people that influenced me to be in country music. You know, I got to sign my CD and I gave it to him. And I said, uh, you know, this is such a such an honor to get to hang out with you. And, and just a charitable guy and just so much fun. So, yeah, when you meet people that you, you respect and, and you find out they're decent human beings, yeah, you like them even more, and people will remember that, and they'll talk about you, and, and that's the best type of marketing. If you don't treat them right, they really talk about you. Yes, and that is detrimental, to not only just to your career, but but your your legacy. Yeah, and we're trying to leave a legacy. I don't know what what you woke up this morning to do, but whatever it was. Every one of us can be a showboat in our own minds, you know, in our own right. And if you do it for the right reasons, you don't do it just to be seen in men, as one of yes. my favorite books says. Yeah. You will be blessed. What a, well, that's some great, great advice. And and what do you have coming down the pike here? I know that we, oh, you've, got got a, some, you've got some things going oh, on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, as you know, I'm a mortgage loan officer with OsmondHomeLoans.com. Yes. Yeah, that's how we met. Saving the world one mortgage at a time. <laughs> so that keeps me busy during the day. But I'm also involved. I've got a production company called Entune Productions. I run that out of Provo. We've got a great studio down there. We just produced a movie. i got co-producer credits. I actually play myself in the film. It's called Even in Dreams. So if you go to Even in Dreams, com. You can come see it. On the 25th, we're going to have a great showing here in September in American Fork at 120 West Main Street. It's called The Town Hub. Town has an E on it. TheTownHub.com. You can go right now and get tickets, but this thing is going to sell out. I'm bringing the whole cast and crew in, and we're just going to celebrate the arts, you know, and and, and following our dreams. Well, tell me a little bit about the movie. Oh, it's Sounds amazing. It's about this gal that goes out to Nashville, Tennessee. Her sister passed away, and that was her vision, her dream to go. So she lives her kind of vicariously she she lives her sister's dream mm-hmm. and goes out there and runs into some really snaky people like uh, Allison Arngrim from Little House on the Prairies in it she <laughs> oh, never geez. heard the uh, oh, nasty yeah. Nelly yeah. anyway she plays a nasty Nashville manager in this <laughs> oh, she film she's staying so in character she stayed in character and the cool part is is that when I went out to Nashville to pursue my dream I had a guy named Dean Sams. He's the keyboard player and founding member of the group Lone Star. Oh, yeah. And he took me in. He became the Nathan Osmond, the character I play myself in this film. It was really, I tried to channel Dean because he was that guy for me. And every one of us needs someone to really watch out because there's a lot of snakes out there. He says, for every good guy here in Nashville, there's 10 snakes. Mm-hmm. Let me show you what to watch out for. And he took me in. They produced me. I got four consecutive number ones in country music. And I also do a lot of Speaking, I have my own podcast called Achieving Awesomeness Now, and I'm I love podcasting just like you do, and yes. I'd love to have you on my show sometime. Well, Let's I'll, do it. I'll do it. Let's do it. I'll get you in there, Scott. <laughs> and but the thing is, I do that once a week. Um, I but I was doing a lot of speaking. I did like I said, I did 277 live events in 201 cities just in 2019. I don't before even know. COVID. I don't shut even know how you. That's can do two that. a day. That's crazy. It was really crazy, and I was never home. Yeah. So if I take anything from COVID, I take the silver lining of now I get to be at my kids' 
football games. My wife is a lot happier. Yeah. You know, I get to experience th- them. Because at the end of the day, guys, you know, life is short and unpredictable. Eat the dessert first at Helen Keller, yeah. right? So that's what I try to do. I look for the sweet things in life, and I enjoy people. The more, the older I get, the more I look around me, and I, I remember something that Grandma told me because she she got hit with a stroke, and she says sometimes God compels us to be still. And I always remembered that because nobody wants to have a stroke. And the thing is, none of us know what our time is here on this earth. What type of influence are you leaving here, right? What kind of presence am I bringing to my kids? Are I just giving them gifts or what they really want is my presence? Yeah. We're so busy and distracted with our phones and whatnot, you know, that we never take the time to, well, never, I shouldn't say never, but we should take the time to put it down. Get down on their level because they need that. Last night, my little boy, Beckham, he was, I could tell he was just kind of teary-eyed. His teenage brothers didn't want a nine-year-old hanging out with them with their girlfriends and stuff and I said get your shoes on get your shirt on (laughs) and get in my car right now and so he did and I took him to Sonic you know I got him a little root beer slush and that's what it's all about you know everyone talks about success I love that book called Man's Search for Meaning with Dr. Viktor Frankl because he says in the first chapter, don't aim at success. The more you aim at it, the more you're going to miss it. For success like happiness cannot be pursued, it must ensue. And it can only do so as an unintended side effect to one's dedication to a cause greater than oneself. And that's fancy talk. So he makes it simple. He says this in that same chapter, if you know your why, you can endure almost any how. How is none of our business. We'll figure out the how. The how will come if we know why we're doing what we're doing. And it's got to be bigger than money. It's got to be bigger than fame. It's got to be bigger than any of those things. Just like my grandmother, it was all about those kids, you know. And so that's that's how it all got started. And that's her legacy. But we all are writing a chapter right now. And um, that chapter will come to an end. That book will come to an end. We'll have graduation day, as I call it. Yes. And what will be said, there was a guy who uh, created dynamite. He created this this powerful bomb that was used to, to fight wars and battles. And anyways, um, one day he woke up, his brother passed away. And the guy who wrote the obituary in the newspaper messed up. And he wrote the obituary as if the guy that created the dynamite died, and they called him Dr. Death, oh, you know, geez. and just this awful legacy that he got to read his own obituary, even though was, he, his brother's the one that died. It really woke him up, and he decided, you know, I'm going to, while I'm still here, I'm going to change what people think of me. And his last name was Nobel. He took all this money from the sale of all this black powder and bombs. You ever before. heard of that guy? <laughs> And he created this award where they give away a million dollars a year to someone that helps to further the cause of peace. And when we hear of the Nobel Peace Prize, we never think about the guy who created bombs to kill everybody. And so we have the power to change our legacy now. If you don't like who you are right now, fix it. Mahatma Gandhi said, be the change you wish to see in the world. And it all starts now. All we have is now. Now is an acronym. It stands for no other way. In my case, it stands for the Nathan Osmond way. <laughs> I do it now. I do it right, and I do yeah. it right now. Anyway, that's the way I was taught. And I just I thank you for having me on this show. Uh-huh. I hope people have gotten something out of what I've said. Well, I've gotten plenty just listening to you. There's so many nuggets here of uh, powerful uh 
motivation that well, you've quoted from different people. You know, uh, I that can, appreciate that. that. Really, and really, honestly, um, you know, I'm a little bit older than you. Not a little, much. Just a little bit. A little bit. A little bit older. But I'll tell you, as you get older, all of a sudden you realize, no yeah. matter what, I mean, we all know we're mortal. Mm-hmm. But when that generation in front of you, when your parents yeah. pass away, your aunts and uncles, and you're the next generation in line, yeah. you understand death is a reality. Oh, and what yeah. is going to be your legacy? Yep. Who is going to be, as they say, the hero of your story? And if you're not that person, mm-hmm. you leave and you've uh, not left really any good mark on the world well i tell you it's it's you got to live your life i hope you i hope our listeners hear this i hope that they live every single day of their life and if break that sentence down you'll you understand what i'm saying there i you know people say well do you have a cma award no i'm a cma member you don't have a grammy no but you know what do i base my success on a trophy or an accolade i've won plenty of those but the thing is, is that I was with with my children at uh, this little thing called Corn Bellies here in Utah. Every Halloween, it comes out right. I was in, I was invited as a local celebrity to tell some ghost stories around the campfire. So the local radio stations they're sponsoring it, and as I'm out there, I got there early with my kids. We're out in this little cornfield. My first single, my very first number one single, comes on. It's called Sweet, and um, my kids recognized that that was Dad's song. Woo! They looked at me like I was the biggest rock star they had ever seen. That's a heck of a lot bigger than a Grammy. Yeah. Call me Grandy, <laughs> Granddad someday. Because <laughs> I, that's, and I missed out on a lot of that because of my traveling. And now I'm savoring the moments. Oh, wonderful. Well, Nathan, it's I, I, I know there's a reason why. I mean, I specifically asked to have you come on here because I've met you. I you know, We've only known each other for maybe a year or less. Yeah. But I've been so impressed by uh, how grounded you are in your uh, your life and life in general. Oh, and I'm sure you. that being a member of the Osmonds, um, there's so many stories. It, it all starts in the home. Yes, it all starts in the home. Mm-hmm. And there's so many stories that are told about people who crash and burn in the entertainment industry. It's so nice to hear that you can succeed in Mm. that industry if you're well-grounded and that you you understand who you are and what you are, that you actually are of worth, and that you're not getting all your worth from the accolades of man because that – Will of course fade. Well, people thought. Well, well, you know, are you just camping on your your name? You know, you got OsmondHomeLoans.com, Nathan Osmond. I almost didn't use my last name. I'm ashamed to say that, and it's not because I'm ashamed of my last name. I just wanted to have my own sure ticket. I wanted yeah. to like be taken seriously for my talents and skill sets that I've worked years to build. And I thought to myself, I asked my aunt Marie, she said, "Yeah, don't you, don't use Osmond." She said, uh, "People will prejudge it." You know, and I want you to have a fair shot. And then I I went to Donnie and I said, should I use the name Osmond? And he goes, let me just tell you this, Nathan. People go on shows like America's Got Talent, American Idol, and all these, you know, The Voice, because they want to be part of a brand, something that gives them instant street cred, right? You have one. It's called Osmond. Now, don't abuse it. Don't camp on it. Let it get a foot in the door, but then you've got to have the goods. Well, this is the deal is that uh, sometimes when you see people succeed and they have a a family name, people say, well, they had the family name. But there are tons of people Mm. who have a family name that burn it to the ground 
or don't uh, enhance the name. Yeah. And so, as you say, a lot of times those names just open a door. Yeah. And then you got to be the real person. You know, it's a foot in the door and a kick in the teeth. And we're known for our teeth. You know, (laughs) those are some big teeth. But the thing is, is that it can sometimes be harder to have a famous last name and be taken seriously because you were just given everything in their minds. Yeah. And it's amazing how long it takes to become an overnight success. You know, (laughs) I've worked so hard to uh, finally get to where I'm at. And and you can't live on your accolades because then it's always what's next, right? And as you're producing this show, you're probably thinking, okay, who's my next guest that's going to come on, right? (laughs) And that's good because if you're not thinking forward thinking, you'll be left in the dust. And so my father taught me some great things. My mother did too. And like we said, it all starts in the home. Um, I'm having a blast doing what I'm doing. I'm so glad that the mortgage world brought me to your offices here, and that's how we got to know each other. I tell my friends, I said, I'm in the business of making lifelong friends because I, everywhere I go, I make new friends, and every one of us can help one another. I, I have this abundance mindset that there's enough for all of us out there. Anyone that hoards it up or anyone that's wrapped up in themselves makes for a very small package. I want to just leave it all here. I can't take it with me. You know, my grandmother, she told me so many funny stories because we had a lot of people take advantage of our family. We were so trusting. You know, we had our own bookkeepers that kept two sets of books on our family. You never have a rubber stamp, right? You got to sign your own checks. But the thing is, is that they had the fake books they showed our family versus the real ones. And by the time we found out what was going on, over $100 million was gone. And we had wow. invested in all sorts of things like real estate and this and that. But that's a lot of zeros to swap. That's more <laughs> zeros than Osmonds. Think about how much money that is. And that's seventies dollars. That's seventies dollars. That's a lot of silver dollars. That's a lot of silver dollars. A <laughs> hundred million. Anyways, yeah. uh, my grandfather said something. He gathered his kids together. He says, "Now, guys, we can't take it with us when we go. It's gone. There's nothing we can do about that." And I'll tell you one thing: we're not going to do. We're not going to file bankruptcy and leave all these innocent people hanging with all this debt that these idiots got us into unbeknownst to our own family yeah but the only way we can pay back all these people what is owed to them is to liquidate every bit of our investments our studios our riviera apartments in provo high rises i met my wife at riviera so did i see we got so much in common (laughs) we sold everything the racket clubs everything and barely broke even but you know what? When they made that TV movie about my my family story, the one and only thing that my father insisted be in that movie was the fact that the Osmond family paid back every penny. That was bigger than all the gold records on the wall. Integrity. What's in a name? Everything. So I plan to carry on the Osmond name in this mortgage world and take good care of it because that's what my grandparents gave to me and my father and uncles, and now I want to give that to my children, but they've got to earn it. My father says, I'm not just going to hand this over to you when we were trying to get in the biz. He says, you proved to me that you, you're going to earn it. We were the one-take Osmonds on the Andy Williams shows because they come in, they nail it on the first take. If you show me you got that type of dedication, then I'll, do, I'll start opening some doors. But at 6 a.m. every morning, I was down there sweating it out in front of the mirrors. You know, we worked with Janet Jackson's choreographers and just travel the world. I've done musicals. I toured for two years on Joseph and the Amazing Technic of the Dreamcoat. I was cast in the lead role of Your Good Man, Charlie Brown. You know, I've done some fun stuff from movies to acting to, to speaking and podcasting and now mortgages. And people say, well, oh, are you going to stop saying it? No. 
<laughs> I'm the singing mortgage man, guys. Why would you stop doing what brings you joy? <laughs> yeah. Find a way to make it work. Yes. And that's what I think, you know, you look at my marketing, it's <laughs> it's 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 fun. I'm a, I'm an entertainer, you know, guys, and and you want to be memorable. So, anyways, I I'm just rattling on. I could be here all day with stories, I know but you could. Uh, and you know, I thank I, you for having me oh, on. Oh, yeah. Hey, it's been such a pleasure to have you uh here on Silver Dollar Showboats and I and I can tell you I mean, to to any listeners out there, it's um, it's been an honor. Thank you. It's been an honor to have you here, and I I think um, what's uh, at least I'm the message I want to get across on this podcast is that um, there are a lot of good people out there, mm-hmm. and they're in in uh, a lot of industries, and uh, sometimes I think the inter- the entertainment industry gets a bad rap. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of things that, that, that doesn't go right, but that's not the case f- for Nathan Osmond. Thank you. We should go start a showboat together. <laughs> <laughs> We'd be awesome. <laughs> Well, thank you, Nathan. I got rid of God. Hey, everybody. Hey, <laughs> this is well, awesome. Know, I'm gonna... You know, the funny thing is, is that off the record or whether they keep this, the funny thing is, is that I come from a family of 10 kids. Oh, wow. And my parents loved singing. They they sang and sang and sang. And uh, when I was a young kid in a lot of the church mm-hmm. things, we put on performances. Yeah. Uh, like not the Osmonds, of course, we didn't have that kind of talent. And I was on the younger side. And I remember standing up in a bunch, a bunch bunch in front of a bunch of church members singing, this land is your land. This land is my land. And, you know, all those songs became part of uh, the culture of my family. And when we got together, yeah. I'm sure which happens with your family, you know, when, when we would get together, we would start mm. singing songs, singing with – you ever heard of um, uh, Sing Along with Mitch? Oh, I don't know. It had the little bouncing oh, ball. Oh, the ball, yeah. The ball that would oh, bounce. Oh, yeah. My you grandma you always had that on. There yeah. you go. And we would uh, – I remember we would, that. We would take the – follow the little bouncing ball and sing as a family, and we always watched uh, Lawrence Welk. Oh, yes. And uh, oh, when yeah. we talk about the Beatles, you know, we used to watch the Ed Sullivan show where the mm-hmm. Beatles made their entrance, and I was only like seven years old. Yeah. But I remember turning to my parents and going, all those guys have haircuts like Mo from the Three Stooges. <laughs> <laughs> So, so true. Yeah, and it was, was so controversial. That was, was considered long hair. It really, <laughs> if you look at their early pictures, you know, you look at them and you go, "What? What, what was everybody so uh, exactly so upset about?" But you know, everybody else was wearing crew cuts. At the yeah, time. that's true. So it was it was pretty it was pretty comical actually. Isn't it looking fun? Back. It's good to look back. Yeah, I tell people that I do. I do a kind of a drive to work every day on Facebook <laughs> yeah. with Nathan Osmond. I just you know I just I hate to waste time. I want to leave everything here, so I have so many stories to share. So I just get on Facebook Live and talk. I never know what's going to come out of my mouth. But uh, I said the other day as I was driving, I said, you know, I'm looking at this windshield right here. And right above it, I've got this little rear view mirror. And a lot of people have a mirror that's the size of their their their, their windshield because they're always looking back. And it's good to look back, but I think you need to look forward. And I think if you keep it in this perspective of your windshield – versus your little rearview mirror, from time to time, glimpse back, remember what you've learned from the past. Relive a few of those moments from time to time. That's why God gave us memory, so we could have roses in the wintertime. Yeah, right? right? So we need to look back, but don't live there. Always ask yourself, what's next? What's ahead? Yeah. And look forward to it, because tomorrow's gone, 
You know, I mean, yesterday's gone. You may not, never get it back, right? Tomorrow may never come, Garth Brooks, but that's why we have today. It's a gift, which is why they call it the present, I, right? You know, I love it, and that's a, that is such a great statement. And, you know, I, many years ago when The Lion King came out, I always remember – I don't remember much from, from some of these movies, but I always remember when that oh, little Lion yeah. King, the, the – what was it? Move, move, Mufasa. Mufasa yeah. smacked him in the face, and he said, what would you do that for? And he goes, who cares? It's in the past. You know, I, <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of one of those moments oh, where yes. you're talking about where you're like, well, okay, whatever's in the past, even if it was five minutes ago, it's in the past. And then they came out and with a forward. Disney movie with a lesson, let it go, right? <laughs> let it go. Yeah, let it go. <laughs> I love that. I love The Lion King because it talks about remember who you are. Yeah. Right? Does, and yeah. and we need to be reminded. Uh, my father always said that to me. He says, don't be proud of who you are. Be proud of whose you are. Of whose you are. Mm. And you think about that, that's, especially from a spiritual oh, standpoint. Oh, and that's it. Oh, yeah. That's yes. and that's that, t- that just took me a second. Yes, no, it's a, but I, I always like that. Don't be proud of who you are. Be proud of whose you are. And so, you know, I think that being hit with a physical challenge so early on in life, it really helped him to remain grounded as well. And uh, he had his basically his whole right side taken out from him. And when my Uncle Jimmy approached us with this idea about this theater he had just bought in Branson, he says, how would you guys like to come out and do what you love to do? Alan, we don't want to go on without you. We'll change the choreography to left hand. You know what I'm saying? We'll sit you down at a piano and look like you're pretending like you're playing. <laughs> Whatever it is, we want you on stage with us, right? Yeah. And you know what that meant to my father? That his brothers were not just going to move on, leave him in the dust. But it it, it was hard because he's the provider. Sure. He has eight children. Yeah. So and we were and then I got to come out and be part of the show too. This is all after we've done all the new kids stuff and all that. I got to sing two shows every day but Sundays for almost five years. And it was there in Branson. I got introduced to showboats. You know, we actually went (laughs) out on the showboat in Branson. They got a beautiful showboat there. And we won Best Young Group of the Year three years in a row. And we we were so honored. But we said, aren't we the only young group in Branson? (laughs) (laughs) It's changed since then. But there's a lot of young groups out there now. But uh, it's just so much fun to be out there and learn hoedowns and 40s medleys and 50s and 60s. And that got me ready to go do the musical theater because the day I stepped off the plane from my mission from Chile, I was in auditions for the North American tour of Joseph and the Amazing Technic of the Dream. I stepped right back into it. Did that for two years, and then, of course, the rest is history with what you would know about my history. But yeah. um, every day is an adventure. I never thought I'd be in the, in the mortgage world. Yeah. But uh, my wife is the one that told me I should be a country singer. She's also the one that said I should be a mortgage guy. You know, I follow her. She's very inspired <laughs> and hasn't steered it, me wrong it, yet. It helps when she gives you a swift kick in the back. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> she keeps me very grounded. <laughs> well, Go dude. to your room. No. <laughs> no, it's fun. I'm just a big kid. She says she has five boys. Yeah. So. Well, thanks again. Thanks coming. again, Scott. Yeah. You're the man. Hey, you, you are the man. <laughs> Don't go down the river of life unnoticed by being a tugboat. Get educated at www.askusutah.com. Everyone can be a showboat. You just have to want it.